Welcome to Here Comes Yesterday, a weekly 15-minute podcast full of useful memories for dealing with the world ahead with your host, Frank Corrado. Today's podcast is about celebrating the lives people have led. All writers have their specialties. One thing I've found I do well as a writer is to celebrate people's lives. That translates often into writing obituaries and sometimes eulogies. Well, you've got to be good at something. Another aspect of this celebrating life theme revolves around taking charge of an event that is slowly turning into a non-event. Let me explain. So you've been invited to a birthday or a graduation for someone special in your circle of family or friends. Everybody's friendly. Maybe there's some music playing. Then it's over, and you wish the honoree of the evening happy birthday or congratulations on the way out the door. Sound familiar? Something missing? Nobody has gathered the group together to offer remarks and a toast. For example, here are some brief remarks I wrote for an aunt celebrating her 98th birthday. As she nears the goal line for her centenary, I stand in wonder to think at age 73, I have been nearby this amazing person who connects me and all of us here to the history of our family in America. She was born in hard times to a soon-to-be widowed mother. She was sent to a sanitarium with her sister when she was a teen because of tuberculosis. She married a hard-working German immigrant with a deep laugh and moved to the suburbs, a place where cows pastured outside her home. She brought three great kids into the world, Nancy, the artist and mom, Kenny, the sensitive and loving son, and Paulette, professional woman and faithful giver of care and comfort. Rosalie has always had a special gift, a strong intellect, and also a strong streak of feminine independence we see in her two daughters. And of course, she carries that greatest of Corrado gifts, a passion for life and laughter. Auntie, we raise a glass to you today. Salud. This was easy to write. She was my father's sister. Someone else maybe could have done the honors, but I felt compelled that something should be said to formally honor her. By the way, in such circumstances, you would always hand over what you've written to the relatives. I got interested in the idea of eulogizing people, both living and not, from, believe it or not, the world of sports. Two books, Roger Angel's The Boys of Summer and Red Smith's book to absent friends, inspired me to try out this form. The Boys of Summer is Angel's tribute to the great heroes of the Brooklyn Dodgers from the 1950s at the heights of their careers and in later life. My favorite story is the one about Jackie Robinson. Angel called that profile the lion at dusk, and I was so taken with it that I used that title for a profile I wrote for the retirement of a legendary EPA enforcement chief, Murray Stein, 
who I think was from Brooklyn also. Red Smith's book was a series of celebrations about great American sports figures running from Joe Lewis to Babe Ruth. I was inspired by this kind of writing, and when opportunities presented themselves over the years to celebrate the living and the dead, I stepped forward. Recently, there have been at least two articles in the press, one about writing obituaries and the other about managing your own obit. In an article in the New York Times, Victoria Chang, a Los Angeles-based poet and writer, says, an obituary should be more about how someone lived versus the fact that they died. And she adds, it's okay to be funny. There's a lot of humor and oddity, strange tensions and funny stuff about people and the things they do together. I couldn't agree more. Eric Zorn, in a Chicago Tribune column around the same time, talked about managing your obituary and your legacy. Zorn was aiming his remarks at public figures. He asked right up front, what will appear in those first three paragraphs or so that will define you, if not for posterity, then for your descendants? He adds, yes, you'll be gone and not around to hear the assessments either way, but it matters because reputation matters, integrity, a good name. If obituary management is too grim a thought for you, he adds, how about the phrase legacy maintenance? What examples are you setting right now? To which values are you remaining true, he concludes. Well, I guess you can apply this to everybody. I know in my own case, the last thing I want at my wake are people laughing under their breath when somebody says things that are patently untrue about my life, whether good or bad. And here's another important thing. Eulogies don't have to be long. Here's one I wrote on Facebook for the first head of the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency and the famous recipient of Nixon's anger in the infamous Saturday Night Massacre during Watergate, Bill Ruckelshaus. My eulogy focused on my personal relationship with him. I wrote, Years after he'd left Washington and was living in Seattle, I met him at a hotel bar, and I began to understand what it might have been like to spend an evening with Abe Lincoln, a man with dry, sharp wit and a pocket full of insightful stories. Maybe it came from spending your early life in southern Indiana, I don't know, but he could pillar the pompous and the mighty in a kindly, humorous sort of way. Bill was part of a generation of outstanding Republican conservationists who taught me and others the same lessons that we marvel at now in watching brave State Department truth-tellers on TV. One of Bill's favorite sayings was, when you speak, imagine seeing your words on a billboard as you drive into work the next morning. Bill, save me a neat scotch, a warm chair, and some great stories up there. Thank you. I have a habit, it actually seems kind of trite to me on reflection, of talking about getting together in heaven someday.
advice is very simple. Focus on relationships with the person who has passed. Convey personal feelings. This reminds me of the passing of a gentleman at our church during COVID last summer. Jim had been a professor who spoke five languages. He was in the choir, and he'd also ran the soup kitchen for a number of years. Because of COVID, friends gathered in a tent in the church courtyard. So what could you say that would mean anything to the family beyond, I'm sorry for your loss, or my condolences? But having worked a couple of times in his soup kitchen, I knew he was renowned for the lunches he cooked, and that his specialty was a large pan cornbread with lots of butter. So when I approached the family, I brought that up, and it made an immediate impression on them. I hadn't mentioned all the wonderful things about him I knew nothing about, but rather I mentioned something no one else had cared to say. In everything that's light and gay, I'll always think of you that way. I'll find you in the morning sun, and when the night is new, I'll be looking at the moon, but I'll be seeing Another eulogy was written for a very close family friend who died unexpectedly. They shall shine and shall dart about as sparks through stubble. A reading from the Bible today. Sparks darting about through stubble. Yes, that was Nancy. When she was around, things were sparking. Things were happening. At our cabin in Michigan, our totems everywhere of her. Address signs from her workshop. Clothes hooks she made from skis a flag that hung over the Capitol she got in honor of our son's Eagle Scout Award. Over the years, Nancy turned our cabin into a scout project for Pat, David, and Kevin, not to mention the big scout himself, her husband, Tim. In her younger days, she was fearless, ready to sail the lake, go camping, fishing up north, get the family out and doing things. She was into gadgets. My gosh, she sure was. She had a handheld GPS long before anybody else. Her house was full of laptops and smartphones and a major weather station. There are few people in this world, not all that many actually, that properly can be labeled as a force of nature. Nancy was one of them, always in motion, always there for those she loved. Nancy, you left our orbit too soon. You're on to a bigger world, to organize for our journey ahead. I look up and see her sparking across the sky, reminding me that life is only worthwhile when it's lived to its fullest. See you down river at the campfire, dear girl. Love you. In the eulogy above, you hear the personal aspects. Unlike an obit, which focuses on specifics, this one is more personal and written for close family and friends. I want to close out this podcast with a recent example from a close business and personal friend. The eulogy was read at a large gathering from both of those worlds. Listen for the elements we've talked about here. When we celebrate a person's life, especially someone who's fairly well known, what we want to emphasize is our personal experience, which amplifies that person's best traits. So there I was, running towards the Michigan Avenue Bridge, 
I couldn't believe he was really going to do it. I'm running to see if he was going to be able to provoke the head of the Chicago Sanitary District to ticket a group of women calling themselves something I was hardly familiar with, feminists. They were threatening to throw their bras into the Chicago River. And of course, that bridge is straining because every reporter who could possibly get on it was there to capture this historic and important moment. But Harlan wasn't just there to cover it. The ladies did their thing, and Harlan did his thing, and the official fell for it. And now there was, yup, a page one story for the evening edition of the Chicago Daily News. Pollution, feminism, crime, and, sorry, titillation, all in one story. Byline by Harlan Drager. I'm sure there are a dozen similar stories that I don't know about, Harlan, but this impish force of nature had a gift not just for reporting news, but as this story suggests, on occasion, making the story even better. Another example. So, could you say, Mr. Unsuspecting Official, that what Mr. Politician did could soon mean a criminal indictment would become in his deft hands a lead that read, District Attorney Smith today suggests that a criminal indictment could be coming soon for Alderman Jones. But it was not just the sheer fun of watching him at work. When you were physically in Harlan's orbit, you were engaged, involved. Things were going on. Your mind was busy. Your body was often in motion. There was a joie de vivre about him that added whipped cream to almost anything. As I follow him along the trail to old age, he becomes my point man. This guy who could nimbly climb down his treacherous stairs to the lake well into his 80s gives me hope that I can also. This quick-witted observer makes me believe I can keep a functioning brain going forward. He had many attributes that make a great reporter, street smart, humorously cynical, tough, and sentimental at the same time. Like many reporters, he never made a lot of money, but unlike many others, he was always quick to pick up a check. When my father died, I knew I was going to miss him a lot. I've got those feelings again today with Harlan. I look forward to joining him down the road and possibly uncovering some pay-for-play schemes at the pearly gates. Hey, watch out up there. He's a door kicker. In conclusion, dear listener, let's remember how important it is to celebrate both the living and the dead. And I offer the Hebrew toast, Lachaim to life. You've been listening to Here Comes Yesterday, a podcast full of useful memories for dealing with the world ahead. Your ideas and reactions can also be very useful. Contact Frank Corrado via email at corrado at c4m.com. That's C-O-R-R-A-D-O at the letter C, the number 4, the letter M, dot com. This is Mel Zellman. Thank you for listening, and catch us next time.